we are working on how do we help our customers create the best of plant-based proteins, cheese, et cetera, since we know those are the categories that consumers see as most attractive and most sustainable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's something to be said for just really wanting a good grilled cheese sandwich. And we hope you'll have both choices as we work with our customers for the future. So we're not only prioritizing plant-based, but working on how can we help make dairy more efficiently and more effectively. We've been able to provide customers with up to 99% reduction in carbon emissions versus what they were using through commodity dairy. So there's huge opportunities, I think, in both dairy and plant-based, and we're sharing learnings across those, which to me really is about that kind of shared economy perspective and what we're, I think, seeing the food industry move towards, right? How can we make it better together? Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Ruchkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of food. Very, very happy today to be speaking with Shannon Coco. She is the Strategic Marketing Director for Food in North America for Kerry. Welcome to the program today, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm so excited to talk about the future of food with you. Excellent, excellent. And, you know, I've had a great privilege to speak with you a little bit before this and learned a lot about what Kerry is doing in sustainability and technology all over the world. Um, but before we dig into that, you know, let's give our audience a little bit of background on you. You know, tell us where you came from before Kerry and maybe some of the work you've done in Kerry before coming into your current position. What brought you there? Sure. So I'm currently the strategic marketing director for Kerry for Food in North America. Um, as you mentioned, Carrie is a global company, and I've been with them a little over six years, actually starting my career with Carrie in our North, our, our Irish office, I should say, in Nace, Ireland. Um, so that's our homestead. That's where Carrie was born and bred in Ireland, and was I was fortunate enough to get to work in Consumer Insights there, really understanding the categories, consumers, what drives them, and then building my career out into more of the technology space, since we are leaders in taste as well as nutrition solutions. Um, and now getting to take on a role as the lead for food, which I love, everybody loves food. So it's a great area to be in and allows us to um, really connect, you know, food innovation and technology with the challenges and opportunities that the market has from sustainability to plant-based to more functional and nutritious foods. Um, my background before joining Carrie, um, I actually worked mostly in higher education. So I started my career out um, working for a number of universities across both the U.S. and Ireland for MBA programs and admissions and really getting to connect with people. And I think that love of anthropology as my, my study and my bachelor degree is in, um, as well as that experience working in higher education with people as they really find themselves, who they are and what they care about, is really what drew me to marketing ultimately. So um, after my own soul searching after that career, um, I went back and did my own master's in marketing um, and UCD Smurfit Business School in Ireland. I was living there at the time and then um, was fortunate enough to get to work in market research. So um, through both that course and afterwards, I worked with um, people across industries from you know banking to food, to startups, to nonprofits, mm -hmm. and really gave me an opportunity to complete market research, digital, a wide range of marketing areas, and ultimately was able to find carry and food through that opportunity to work on the agency and consult consultation mm. side. 
So um, I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to evolve with Carrie as we're always evolving quickly and uh, excited to talk about kind of what comes next for us and for the rest of the industry. Excellent. Well, that's a great background you bring with you. And Carrie is certainly lucky to have you on board as uh, both your span of expertise, but also uh, being a global person yourself. Um, so that's great. But, and you know, Carrie is a big global company, but um, maybe there's people out there that don't know all of what Carrie's doing. And kind of before yeah. we dig into the sustainability and all these other things that we're really interested to talk about, tell us a little bit more about Carrie. What is Carrie doing out there in the world? Sure. We're doing a lot, Chris. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, um, but we are the world leader in taste and nutrition. And that's really what we, we share with our customers. We share with the market. Um, but what does that mean? Um, to me and to us, it really means that every day we go to work and our, we're focused on how can we make things taste better and more nutritious. And sustainability has really become a key part of that for us as well, as we think about the future and what does food look like. Um, we are actually operate in more than 30 countries around the world. We have manufacturing sites in over 150 countries. Um, but what I'm most proud of is that as a company, our commitment is to food innovation, but bringing that through the lens of creation through applications. So we have more than a thousand research and development scientists around the world who are actively working on how do we make plant-based products as an example that not only taste good, but are going to have that cheesy, ooey gooey melt, that proteins that are going to have that rich umami and savory taste without off notes. So mm -hmm. they're tackling those challenges that we really are creating the best of both taste and nutrition through, yes, innovation and new technologies, science-backed um, solutions, but also making sure that it's fit for purpose for our customers and ultimately the people that are going to enjoy our food. So that's mm. what gets me excited about kind of the way we operate as a company. Excellent. So Carrie's really bringing, if you will, sort of a lot of the the background into food products. Some of them are visibly carry products, but some you're essentially be business to business um, yeah. company helping with the technical food solutions that other food providers are also using to bring their products to market. Absolutely. We are the science-backed solutions. We are the tasty ingredients that make you want more craveability and mm -hmm. also create those new profiles that we all get excited about putting on our Instagram um, and sharing with our friends and getting them to go try. Great. Well, maybe a, a good segue into the topic of sustainability and what that means for Carrie, um, which I found interesting in talking to you before. Um, so my understanding, Carrie probably got its start in the dairy products sector in yeah. Ireland and grew up in many, many different ways from that. Um, and one thing you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago is plant-based products and related to cheese. So uh, Carrie uh, in its DNA is a dairy products company, but one of, it sounds like one of the areas that you're really focusing on today is plant-based dairy products. And maybe tell us about why that is and what you're doing in the space. Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. And I think a one that anyone whose heritage is in the dairy space, you know, wants to have the best of both. So we are, and we did start out as an Irish dairy cooperative in County Kerry, which is fun to say, Ireland. Um, we've evolved significantly from that, but I think what's really stood to carry in terms of our dairy heritage as a taste nutrition company is our commitment to making sure the product tastes good, 
performs well and delivers on nutrition. And mm -hmm. I think what we've focused on in evolving that through our focus on plant-based is how can we make it more sustainable too? So mm -hmm. um, as an example, you know, we are working on how do we help our customers create the best of plant-based proteins, cheese, et cetera, since we know when from, through our own global sustainability research that those are the categories that consumers see as most attractive and most sustainable. So we want to help them embrace those categories, right? And bring that to expand their dietary options. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there's something to be said as well for just really wanting a good grilled cheese sandwich. And we hope you'll have both choices as we work with our customers for the future. So we're not only prioritizing plant-based, but working on how can we help make dairy more efficiently more eff and more effectively. So we have mm -hmm. a range, for instance, called Ultra Clean, which is really about delivering that concentrated dairy taste that has the impact and taste of a flavor, but labels as dairy and dairy mm -hmm. ingredients. Um, mm. And not only were we able to achieve that in through our innovation, but being able to also um, create it so that it's more sustainable. So we've been able to provide customers with up to 99% reduction in carbon emissions versus what they were using through commodity dairy. So there's huge opportunities, I think, in both dairy and plant-based, and we're sharing learnings across those, which to me really is about that kind of shared economy perspective mm -hmm. um, and what we're, I think, seeing the food industry move towards, right? How can we make it better together? Right. Well, we're going to dig into some of these areas that you're focused on that you've been talking about, but I wanted to ask, why does Carrie focus on sustainability? Um, is this internally driven? Is it externally driven? Is it both? Why not focus on more profit now? <laughs> profit, we all enjoy. That's absolutely right. We all want to be here in 10 years, 20, 50 years yes. from now. But if we don't prioritize sustainability, we may not be able to. Um, and that I think yeah. is just a real, you know, I'm a very realist type person. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's kind of where the bottom line comes down to, you know, if we're not making choices now um, and continuing to just increase the, our commitment to those choices over the next five and 10 years, you know, we're, we as an industry aren't setting ourselves up for success and our consumers up for success. So for us, sustainability mm -hmm. really is about prioritizing three things. How can we make products and help our customers make products that are better for people, right? So in terms of the nutrition, the health choices that they make um, as they look for more functional foods, how can we make products that are better for society, right? So how can we make sure that where we're sourcing from, who we're partnering with, um, really is embracing, you know, the communities that support the food economy globally, and then the third thing for me, I'll put my three up, is uh, better for the planet, right? So if we're not thinking about zero waste to landfill in our plants, if we're not prioritizing how we can optimize so that we are more energy efficient, and if anything, offsetting some of our energy, mm -hmm. right? And working on how we reduce water consistently, um, we're going nowhere. So we have very clear um, commitments that we've made in terms of scope one, two, and three emissions, in terms of water intensity, in terms of committing to zero waste, waste to landfill by 2025, um, and making sure that 100% of our raw materials are sustainably sourced in the, by 2030 as well. So we have a 2030 commitment um, that anyone can, can, can certainly find the details of on our website. Um, it's called Beyond the Horizon. And for us, mm. that's about being able to see beyond that horizon of 2030 in the food Excellent. industry. 
Well, it's an amazing corporate commitment that uh, you and the other leaders in Kerry um, really seem very passionate about. I'm curious, how does that impact your customer relations and what are your customers saying to you about sustainability and the importance of that in their products? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a conversation we're actively seeing both customers bring to us as well as proactively bringing to them. Um, many of them have made commitments. Some are very strict and very clear in what they're looking for. And I think others are kind of figuring out where can they make the most impact, right? Based on their processes, based on their products. So um, it's definitely a two-way dialogue. Uh, we are fortunate enough at Cary to actually have a sustainability team um, as part of our Cary structure. So we have a global team as well as people within North America and our other regions whose role is really to make sure we're driving towards these goals on a day-to-day -day basis in our operations, but also supporting our customers. So as we understand what they're committing to or as they need guidance maybe even on what, how they commit mm -hmm. Um, we can really help them navigate that and navigate how Carrie can help them reach their goals best, right? Because mm -hmm. ultimately, it's great if we have commitments, but working with our customers, we want to make sure that we're addressing their commitments ultimately since they're making the yeah. final product. So this is sounds very much like a key selling point for Carrie. How did this happen? I mean, we weren't talking about this 20 years ago. Um, yeah. From your experience, how did sustainability become such a key selling point for a global company like Kerry? This is just my own perspective. I think there's two things that I've seen Kerry do to really evolve how we've played a role in this conversation. Um, I think one, and this is purely my perspective, is um, our Irish influence. So Ireland as a country is very sustainability focused. Um, they have um, an organization called Origin Green, which Kerry's actually a founding member of. And that's been in existence for more than 10 years, I want to say, it's actually a government-based organization. That's all about the commitment of the agriculture and farming practices in Ireland to creating a sustainable future in terms of agriculture. So mm. Kerry has been part of that conversation right alongside Ireland as they've developed that. Um, and I think that is one way in which we've really been early in that conversation, earlier than a lot of other players and as one of those founding members. The second area that I would call out is our commitment to nutrition. And so sustainability, depending on who you ask, can mean many things, but sustainable nutrition for people, right? And making sure we're helping people um, enable healthier choices is something that's really integral to who we are. So we actually have an organization called the Cary Health and Nutrition Institute. Um, it's part of our Cary business, but is actually not related to our direct business at all. It's actually includes councils and people and experts that we lean on from academia, from regulatory bodies, from um, yes, even our own nutritional scientists internally and completely separate from our day-to-day -day business. That organization, the Institute really is about progressing nutritional research, science backed findings, what the regulations in terms of nutrition will look like in different countries as those evolve and making mm -hmm. sure that we're a, a free and accessible resource to the food industry um, in helping people make the science and health, um, helping people make health and science-based choices more accessible mm -hmm. to their consumers. Excellent. Well, certainly a tremendous amount of effort by Carrie on the sustainability side. And, and clearly it seems 
that's because that's what consumers, and in this case, your B2B customers are demanding. And that's great to see, you know, especially for a podcast where we are focusing on food and sustainability. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, really, really encouraging. You know, I, in this podcast, I have a great opportunity to speak with a lot of early entrepreneurs that just have tremendous passion about sustainability. Um, but, you know, I, I, though it's certainly come into a lot of large companies, um, I feel like it shines through very, very strongly with Carrie and just a key selling point for the company. So that's great to see. Thank you, Chris. Sure. Um, now, we, we've touched on a few general areas of sustainability. You mentioned plant-based, hugely trendy, um, waste reductions becoming more important. What do you see from your position, you know, kind of a, a global perspective, although you're responsible for North America, as the key trends in food and sustainability that we're looking at in the upcoming years? It's a great question. I'm going to attempt to share my screen if I can um, to show you what we're finding that's really evolving and I think challenging how that spectrum of adoption can look um, right. globally. Let's see if I can get my... I think we'll probably get it going. Okay, so let me just zoom in here. Do, 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 do. Share screen. So, there we go. Chris, you were asking, what does the future look like and what are we seeing? And as I heard you ask that question, this stood out to me um, as a really great way for us to think about it. Um, we do complete quite a bit of proprietary research, both regionally as well as globally at Cary. And one of the areas that um, I'm thrilled that we completed a global research project in over 30 countries around the world last year um, was on sustainability. We called it sustainability in motion because it is constantly evolving and every country is in a different place. And when I think about what does the future look like, these are some of these are kind of the three buckets that I actually see our opportunities and commitments across the board looking looking towards. Mm -hmm. So you'll see here on the left hand side, um, if my screen is still sharing all right, um, extrinsic. So these are all of the things that we find for those that are maybe early into apologies, early mm -hmm. into the um, sustainability adoption cycle are embracing, right? So they may be buying a product and seeing that it's a sustainably packaged and it might be more passive at, at first, right? Or they may start to really say, you know, wow, I'm, I'm noticing that there's opportunities for me to buy fair trade, mm -hmm. right? There's opportunities for me to buy products that um, are sourced from certain locations. And so this is really, I think, where a lot of our consumers are starting their journey. What's interesting and exciting to me as we think about what's emerging is that consumers who are more involved in sustainability as they're progressing through this adoption are really taking on much more personal responsibility. So it no longer just becomes about the product or the package. It actually also starts to evolve past the product mm -hmm. and moves to the space where they're really prioritizing how are they how are they making an impact? Yes, on their selves and their sustainability, their personal health and nutrition. How are they then translating those choices into, right, which, apologies, <laughs> where they're putting it in uh, from a food waste perspective and how they're 
getting rid of it essentially, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. what other choices can they make that can help them just, again, kind of combine their preferences, right? Between health, food waste and optimization from more of an environmental perspective, and then mm -hmm. stacking on those clean label, plant-based, non-GMO mm -hmm. claims. And there is a balance that we've actually found depending on the category, um, there's kind of a sweet spot where consumers are more open to to certain areas. So mm -hmm. functional beverage is a great example where we've seen consumers, I think, really start to adopt this type of space mm -hmm. around prioritizing their nutrition, but also wanting to be more conscious in terms of the types of products, labeling, and um, and formats that they're purchasing. Right. Busy uh, afternoon is, here. Sorry. <laughs> this is great to see. Um, you know, obviously a very um, well organized internal effort across a global company looking at sustainability. And I love the way you've um, termed the, the left side, the ex extrinsic side, table stakes. This is, this is the basics. This is what yeah. you need just to be at the table. And these are the other areas that you're adding on to that, that uh, you're then ahead of the curve that you see growing globally. And it's so encouraging to see that these are, you know, probably look ahead five years, all these will move into table stakes and then we're going to have even more activity out there. Exactly. You know, I think back my other side adjacency to share with you would be back in 2017 was the first time I think we did a complete global study on clean label. Mm. Right. And I think back to that, how that was totally game changing in terms of the conversations that we were hearing and seeing as an industry around mm -hmm. clean label. What does it mean? What do we prioritize? And I think, yes, you're still seeing that emerging here, but it's shifted so significantly from mm -hmm. that time five years ago to, you know, what's the role of functional food, I think, really coming to the fore mm -hmm. in the last few years. And what's exciting, I think, today as we look through the future is it's not just about one of those. Um, one of my colleagues, he always used the term stacking claims, right? Mm -hmm. What are you prioritizing? What are you stacking? And really trying to find the right consumer for the right moment and the right product together. Right. So you mentioned that um, even from five years ago, um, for example, the topic of clean label has changed. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that we've found in this podcast is it, maybe it's more of an in, industry insider term, clean label, mm -hmm. but it's becoming more well-known with end consumers um, in food stores. But what does clean label mean today for Carrie and Carrie's customers? Mm. I th it's that's a tricky question, Chris. That I still feel like I don't have a clear answer in my own head on because I do I I do think it so much depends on what life stage they're at, right? What they're mm -hmm. prioritizing. So I think clean label when I've seen it for say a parent who's purchasing for their children is much more focused on the quality of the ingredients, the processing of those ingredients, and um, what that label ultimately looks like in terms mm -hmm. of friendly ingredients. Okay. Um, that versus say what I'm seeing with a lot of the Gen Z and millennials who even in some cases, scandalous opinion here from what our research has shown, some of them even don't see sugar as much as a demon because they're seeing it, okay, maybe it's not a demon because they're prioritizing more balance and mm -hmm. purchasing choices that maybe are no added sugar, right? Or reduced sugar in how sure. they're created. So I think depending on the demographic and depending on the category, it's still not an answer. I probably can give you a clean one too, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I think we've seen what you're describing in across the range of podcasts that we do and that 
sustainability means different things for different people and different mm-hmm. companies. Um, because carry is so big, I think it, it encompasses a lot. But for some companies, it's all about upcycling food. Yes. Um, for some companies, it's waste reduction or supporting s- smallholder farmers. But um, again, I think it's, it's interesting to see the carry perspective just because you do have such a large product line. And yeah, and also showing that it's a fluid field. Sustainability as Definitely. a topic is fluid and changing all the time. And you've outlined it perfectly in this slide. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I'll stop sharing in case I get any more okay. pop-ups there. <laughs> <laughs> well, <sighs> you mentioned also, you know, part of the clean label, of course, is how you're presenting that label. And all this effort is great. Uh, but if you can't talk to people about it, if you can't help them understand it, it's certainly, it's not effort wasted, but the consumer or the, your business partners don't really know what's going on. So that brings up a topic of transparency and trust in yeah. food labels and food products. How is transparency um, integrated in the work that you do and Carrie does with its customers? It's a great question as well. I think the, the way that we integrate transparency is making sure that as we're working with our customers, we're clear on what their guidelines are first and foremost, right? What do they see as the critical factors when they're making choices and creating a product? Because I think that is always our starting point, right? For making mm-hmm. sure we are providing them with the right solution based on where they are in the world, the types of products they're in. So first and foremost, I think transparency with our customer is most critical, you know, on both of our ends. Um, I think the second piece for us is around our sourcing, right? So from partnering on the Sustainable Spice Initiative to sourcing grass-fed dairy from our heritage in Ireland to create, turn that into nutritious, complete proteins that we mm-hmm. utilize in beverage and infant formula, et cetera, um, to exclusive partnerships like Cafe Feminino, which is actually a, a partnership with a women-owned women-owned coffee organization Mm -hmm. where they're global um, farmers. And it's really about supporting women as entrepreneurs in the coffee business and being a partner so that we are actually buying their beans, roasting them and working with our customers to make sure that we can support these communities. Hmm. So I think those are just a few of the ways we're really trying to prioritize areas where Mm -hmm. we have strengths and where we've build partnerships. There are so many more. Um, but I, I think transparency first and foremost is about us making commitments on the back end as we're procuring, as we're working with suppliers to make sure that we're there with them. Right. And we are, I have a colleague who literally is in the fields of lavender in Eastern Europe, you know, sourcing the lavender that becomes the lavender extract, which I would be happy to go with her anytime to, to Mm. do, um, you know, and so, everything from being there with the suppliers to making sure our customers are clear on how we process and what benefits we're able to provide based on what they're targeting. And then making sure Mm -hmm. I think what I think, especially emerging and startup brands, maybe look to us for a little more guidance is making sure it's fit for print manufacturing purposes, right? They have Mm -hmm. made, have created amazing products in their kitchens in their garages and even in commercial Mm -hmm. kitchens, right? As they're getting up and running, Um, and you know, as they scale, being able to work with someone who can help them understand if they need, as they may need to evolve formats or processes, how can they make sure they keep that taste or 
that texture that they've spent mm. their time and love and passion in um, to make sure that they can achieve it. You know, that's some, where I think that maybe people overlook in that process, especially as they're starting out, but is critical because as you're gaining that success, being able to scale without losing any of the quality, the transparency, et cetera, that our customers have built mm -hmm. um, is really something that I think we do behind the scenes and probably don't talk about much, to be honest, yeah. but is a great way that we can partner and help them through that process. Well, it's certainly a, a great strength that Carrie brings to your customers and partners of, like you said, helping a company scale its products. Hard to move from an amazing product made in a home kitchen into, you know, distribution across a nation or a continent. And, exactly. and your expertise certainly comes in great there. Um, looking, for example, you have Cafe Feminino and probably many other examples like that. And today we know for sure that consumers are very interested to know these stories. How do you, whether it's Carrie or Carrie's customers, how do you see end consumers, people like me who are buying these food products, how are they receiving that story? You know, we, social media is big, packaging is big. Yes. What do you see as the key channels that consumers are actually enjoying that transparency? Yeah, I definitely think that social media plays a huge role in this. Um, just, you know, as, um, you know, referring a friend used to probably be the main way. I think this has become our new refer a friend in a lot of ways to get people um, on to new products and in areas that they care about. So I think first and foremost, that's an area that um, we've seen a lot of consumer chatter. And even as we're working with customers to kind of better understand where should they go, we can help them listen, mm -hmm. social listening is something out there, right? To understand mm -hmm. what are consumers talking about and what's happening out there. So I do think social media, I think packaging has a big role to play with it. We've seen some customers go to the extent of even have a, you know, find your source, you know, Patagonia is known for that, right. being able to source mm -hmm. how they supply. There's a great company in Ireland um, that you can actually, they'll put what potato field, the potatoes were sourced in, and actually who at their manufacturing site um, packaged the potato, mm -hmm. potato chips as well. Wow. So I think there's some great examples of truly, you know, the utmost transparency. And there's lots of different, depending on customer scale, some may be more possible than others. But mm -hmm. I think finding a way to connect your consumer to that source, whether it's through those stories, through social media, through packaging, um, is something they're going to expect more of. And we're seeing... Um, I would say bars, the bars category is a great example of where they've really embraced this. So mm -hmm. there's even product called this bar saves lives, right? And mm -hmm. so very front and center when you're standing at a shelf that you can see if that's something you care about and mm -hmm. you want to understand, you know, how does it save lives? You may pick that up to better understand what the product is and um, how that may or may not align with what you're you're looking for in a product. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly building trust behind that is its own mm -hmm. challenge. But um, I, as you said, sustain or transparency, it seems like it's not quite there yet in terms of you go to a store and you really believe, expect that you'll see what's in the product and believe it. But yeah. it seems like we're on the track of that happening so that I could imagine in the next five years, if you go to buy a product and you can't feel mm -hmm. that you understand where it's coming from, maybe you might buy something different. Do you perceive that as a shift in consumer expectations maybe? 
I do. And I think a big driver of that as well is the, the sustainability commitments that we're seeing a lot of our customers in the industry can make, right? So mm-hmm. I think over the last five years and certainly into the next 10, 15, 20 years, um, we've seen com- companies make very clear commitments. So I think as those come to fruition, the results of those, right, that water reduction, emissions mm-hmm. impact, you know, sourcing commitments that they're continuing to evolve as well as carry, I think that will provide the industry the ability to feel even stronger about the transparency that they're providing to consumers than some Mm. made today, since they may feel they're just not as connected to that story yet. Um, And I know I always lean on our sustainability team to really help me validate, is this a story or is this something that truly is making an impact that we can really communicate and help our customers make an impact around, you know, because I think there's a spectrum there as well. Right, right. Well, as we look forward, um, I'm curious, what are your views of, you know, say we look through two, three, four, five years into the future, if we're in a food store or shopping online where a lot of us have changed our shopping habits also, and we haven't yeah. even started talking about that. True. But um, what do you think the consumers might expect to see very differently in stores than they see today? For example, you know, five, 10 years ago, you weren't going to see plant-based burgers well advertised. You could still find them. You know, I was buying mm-hmm. those because I was yeah. curious 10 years ago, yeah. but now it's front and center and it's a, it's big news. What, especially with products that you know that Carrie might be bringing forward without disclosing your industry circus, what do you think we're going to see that might be meaningfully different in food stores in that time period? I think the the short to medium term future from what I'm seeing is, I think from a taste perspective, continuing to really drive novel and adventurous experiences. COVID and just the environment we currently all live in has limited, right, the ability to travel. So it mm-hmm. probably doesn't come as a surprise that I think in the short term, being able to really immerse people in an eating experience, um, I think is going to continue to play a critical role first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two things that came to mind as you were asking that, Chris, um, are, I think plant-based everything really is kind of where we're heading. There is, I think a challenge and kind of, there's a challenge, I think for a lot of customers and trying to figure out where their right home is, right? Where can they stretch to in plant-based? So mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing is actually a lot of emerging brands being able to really drive that space and drive consumer adoptions, um, to, to really discover, you know, plant-based cream cheese could be the future, you know, and really being able to create experiences that are on par in terms of ingredients, nutrition, and experience with dairy. So you have that choice and um, can, can have more choice to choose between. Hmm. Um, the other thing that actually, as you were talking, as we we're talking about transparency, and you were asking this question that did pop up on my mind, is I am also seeing retailers in particular, really make commitments around who they're buying products for, from and what values they stand for. So I think from, in particular, a retail and convenience store perspective, um, we've seen the likes of Amazon Go sourcing you know, local products in, their, in each of their stores around the country to really hero local favorites um, and local suppliers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing is really that hyper-local piece and then I think the other piece is that um, retailers embracing 
more diversity in their supplier base. And I think Target as an example, you know, is who I've regularly seen on TV over the last few months, sharing and celebrating that diversity of female and uh, people of all races and ethnicities as part of their supplier base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's this topic of local sourcing has become so important. And as I think you're indicating, also heightened by this little COVID situation that's been happening mm-hmm. around the world in supply chain management. Um, and this, it's interesting when it's a niche. And yes, mm-hmm. we can go to the farmer market and buy stuff. But it sounds like there's a great opportunity growing also, if you will, for almost logistics organizations to figure out, well, how do we do this? How do we have this yeah. hyper-local sourcing when... the Frankly, the entire food chain is bound, is built around massive production areas of for carrots that are going to go through distribution centers. When you have a thousand carrot producers versus three going to a thousand distribution centers, it sounds yeah. like a very interesting ecosystem opportunity for companies out there. Yes, and I have no doubt there are people actively working to figure out how do we make it more efficient. And I think this situation all of us are in, especially from a supply chain perspective where we've relied, right, from from cars, let alone Mm -hmm. food, right, on being able to source specific ingredients and opportunities from different parts of the world. I think it's made all of us take a step back and say, you know, how can we, yes, think global and be global in our presence, but also make sure, you know, as we think about future innovation and future product design, that we're really prioritizing, you know, something that we can have better control of, say within the region and mm-hmm. especially. Um, so, you know, being able to have 50 manufacturing sites here in North America as carry, we have a diversity there that I think we've seen a need from our customers to further rely on that as well as working with other suppliers, right? As mm-hmm. our customers need. And I understand that, you know, that factor of wanting dual supply. So yeah. I think we're it's driven more, North America centric processing in the short term at the very least. Mm -hmm. Um, But also kind of in a great way, I think kind of challenged all of us to work more closely together since we all have to be able to supply product to our customers and make sure they have the same consistency, performance, taste, et cetera, that, Mm -hmm. you know, when they, they put them in in to make their actual process and product. Yeah, and I think this is a great spirit that I've seen in the sector, and Mm -hmm. there's more cooperation than there is competition, Um, and a a great sense of people, especially thinking about sustainability, and how do we all help each other build a more sustainable food system, and I really see that coming through, and it's amazing, like I said, to see it coming through in a large global company like Kerry. You know, I, I know we've just scratched the surface in all that Carrie's doing. So I know we're going to get a chance and come back and talk again and dive deeper into some of these areas where Carrie's really a, an amazing leader. And we want to learn more about what Carrie's doing in the sustainability space with specific areas. So I'd really love to come back to you and get you and your colleagues back on this program again sometime in the next few months. We would love to join you, Chris, anytime. You know where to find me and would love to bring some of my colleagues along as well since there's some amazing experts who I think would would be able to certainly continue to, to help us bring life to this discussion. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Shannon. It's been a great discussion today on the Future Foodcast and looking forward to having you back again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. Thank you.